And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, March the 6th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on March 6, 1944, U.S. heavy bombers, they staged the first full-scale attack American raid on Berlin during World War II. Today, in 1475, Italian uh, Michelangelo was born in the Republic of Florence. Today, in 1834, the city of York in Upper Canada incorporated, but they didn't like the name York, so they changed their name to Toronto. Today, in 1836, the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, they fell as the Mexican forces led by General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. I don't know, if you, have you ever visited the Alamo? Marjorie and I have been there. It's it's kind of very interesting to me, at least, and it, of course it's a part of history. But anyway, today, in 1836, Santa Ana stormed the fortress th- after a 13-day siege The battle claimed the lives of all of the Texan defenders, about 200 of them. They included William Travis, James Bowie, and Davy Crockett. Today, in 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court, in Dred Scott v. Stanford, ruled 7-2 that Scott, a slave, was not an American citizen and therefore could not sue for his freedom in federal court. This was one of those moments that urged people like Abraham Lincoln to get involved, more involved. Today in 1899, aspirin was patented. Today in 1933, the National Bank holiday was was declared by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. The reason he did that, he was trying to calm the panic among depositors, went into effect today, the very day. Today in 1964, Heavyweight boxing champion Cassius Clay, he changed his name to Muhammad Ali. He said he adopted, embraced, whatever, the Muslim religion. Today in uh, 1970, I'm I'm, I'm okay. Today in, in 1970, a bomb being built inside the Greenwich Village townhouse by the radical weathermen group accidentally went off. It destroyed the house and killed three in the group the members that were making the bomb. You know who founded the Weathermen, the radical Weathermen group. It was Bill Ayers. The friend, I know I've said this before on this program, but it bears repeating. These people, some of them on the left, live in the shadows, whether they appear to or not, they do. Bill Ayers and his wife launched Barack Obama's political career. And then Barack Obama spent eight years in the White House denying that he knew him, kind of like Peter did at one time. Barack Obama not only knows Bill Ayers, they're very, very close friends. He started the the radical weathermen, underground weathermen group. And what they were about was building these bombs during the 70s and bombing federal buildings. That's what they did. But... He was there for Barack when he needed him. Today in 1981, Walter Cronkite, he signed off for the last time as the main anchorman on the CBS Evening News. And today in 2002, Independent Counsel Robert Ray, he issued his final report on Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton. In it, he said that former President Bill Clinton could have been indicted 
on the merit of the case and probably would have been convicted in a court in the scandal involving former White House intern Monica Lewinsky. Well, those are a few of the things that happened today in history. So many of you, we do this every morning, of course, and and, um, so many of you mentioned that to me. You you enjoy doing that because you remember some of those things. Obviously, we don't remember some of them. We don't remember Michelangelo being born today, but we like to remember that he was. And so many of you enjoy that little thing that we do every morning. We just do it because this program in its origination is live every morning, and then it's heard a little bit delayed on some other stations now, but... um, same day, and so we do that, and and uh, a lot of you, a lot of you like it. So we'll keep doing it. Vice President Mike Pence was in Seattle, actually in Pierce County, yesterday. He was standing in front of a wall-sized American flag. There were stacks of masks and other medical supplies there. Vice President Mike Pence said, he said, Washington has the full support of the federal government as it battles an outbreak of the uh, coronavirus. That was, a, I think, a powerful statement, and it was a, a compassionate statement in that the state of Washington has been so hard on Vice President Mike Pence. Patty Murray has been trying to get rid of him as the head of the task force for the government. She's been attacking him on every front. And, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's personal. I I think it's just political with her. I mean, anybody that's conservative is in her crosshairs. But I mean, this has been going on for (laughs) some time now. Back back in on um, February 27th, that would be, you know, what, a couple of weeks ago now, long time ago in (laughs) real time. But Murray was demanding, Patty Murray was demanding that President Trump get rid of Vice President Pence on this task force. She wrote this stinging, just scalding letter. And, of course, the press covered it. I mean, they love that kind of thing. But she was demanding, because of Mike, uh, Vice President Mike Pence's lack of public health experience and record of putting ideology over science, that he should be removed immediately. Again, what she's talking about is the same thing that those people on The View on ABC is talking about everywhere else. When they when they say these phrases, and you'll hear this, you're going to hear it more as, as he is leading this movement and this task force. And President Trump said as lately as last night, live in a town hall meeting on Fox, I don't know if you watched it, it was an hour long, it was very interesting, uh, I did, and um, the... Uh, the topic of Vice President Mike Pence came up and he said, man, I think he's doing a great job. He said, I'm really, he said, I, uh, President Trump said, I keep hearing these rumors. And he said, I keep hearing people say that, oh, Trump's going to dump Pence. He said, I'm not going to dump Pence. He said, he's very good at what he does. He's very loyal. And he said, I really like him. He said, he's not going anywhere. And uh, I've been hearing those rumors as well. And I, I haven't talked about it here because we just don't have the time on our half hour every day to, to get into all the things that I would like to get into sometimes. But anyway, every time you hear this phrase he, that Mike Pence puts uh, ideology over science, what that means, I mean, I, I don't care who says it. 
what they're saying in the press, what they're saying is that Mike Pence believes in supernatural answers to prayer. And they're saying that he he rejects science because he believes in prayer. And that's what the view were mocking him about a couple of years ago. And then again, just recently, uh, he's been taken on by several people. And Patty Murray has been among the most um, vicious attacks on him. But it's very veiled. They don't come out and say, we don't like him because he's a Bible-believing Christian. But that's what they mean. It is. But they veil it behind this doublespeak. He lacks health experience, and he has a record of putting ideology over science. And then she refers, I mean, she nailed, I mean, I'm not like assuming that's what she meant. I mean, it's very clear to me and probably to a lot of other people. She said, talks about how he mishandled the largest HIV outbreak in the United States in recent decades when he was a governor of Indiana. He didn't mishandle it. He simply said, in a, I went back and I remember that, but I went back and, and reviewed it. And he simply said, we need to pray. We need to ask God for help. These people can't deal with that. Patty Murray said on the 27th of February, she said the Vice President Pence is neither a responsible nor a reliable selection to lead the coronavirus response. And it goes on and on and on. Politico, which is a kind of a, they're usually referred to as a moderate news source. They're really not. They really lean to the left. Sometimes they're moderate. They're never really conservative in my view. But anyway, they picked up on that and they published articles and then they were quoted again and again and again as in the news. It's called circular reporting. One newspaper comes out with a story and they publish it, particularly in larger markets. Lesser newspapers, by lesser I mean in size, not in importance. I mean, they're important to their community. But lesser newspapers then, usually short of staff, I suppose, and always in agreement with a left-wing news story, they pick up that story and they republish it. You see that here in in Washington State, and you see it in in all the states. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's California, Arizona, it doesn't matter, Idaho, Oregon, it's all the same, all across the country. And what you see is, the, the, for example, the Seattle Times will put out a story, and the Yakima Herald, the... I'm, this is not a criticism. It's just an observation. The Spokesman Review, which is a pretty large operation, they'll pick up the story and run it. Sometimes they reword it a little bit and put their own name on it, but usually they just run it with with the proper you know, um, recognition of whoever wrote it or whatever. But that, that gets to a point where the media is quoting each other and one person started the story. I mean, it doesn't matter what it's about. I mean, it could be about... Anything that isn't factually proved, anything that has some subjectivity to it, you'll find that this happens. And that's why the media, it just rages across the nation if they get something about a person they really don't like because, in this case, they're a Christian, they believe in prayer, they believe that, yes, you can actually talk to God and that God actually speaks back to our hearts. They frame that in words that are much more condescending, but that's what this is about. 
I'm not judging Patty Murray, but I'm telling you, I'm looking right at her words, and her words cannot mean anything other than she's making reference to his Christianity and his biblical beliefs. That's what that's about. And if I'm wrong, um, I'm pretty sure I'm not. But anyway, uh, that's that's what's going on. So Mike Pence came to Camp Murray yesterday. The Seattle Times wrote a story this morning, published it this morning, and others, I noticed, the Yakima Herald, I don't know if the Spokesman Review carried this story. They probably did. But um, anyway, the Seattle Times uh, said that he was standing in front of a, of a bunch of masks and medical supplies and everything, one thing or another. He said, we're with you, Pence said yesterday. We're here, we're here to help, and we're going to stay with you every step of the way. He said, we're going to be here until the state of Washington and America sees our way through this coronavirus. And then the Seattle Times brings up the response of U.S. Senator Patty Murray, Democrat, Washington, on Thursday. She sent another, sent Pence another sharply worded letter. This is not the, not the February 27th. This is a new letter from Patty about the federal government's deployment and communications regarding the coronavirus. So she's following up on his, she's already deemed that he is ineffective, he's inept for the reasons I've been talking about, primarily, because she identified them. So she says now that he's uh, he's not doing a good job, the government isn't doing a good job. And the Seattle Times noted in their story this morning that Vice President Mike Pence was flanked by Governor Jay Inslee and nine of Washington's ten members of Congress. Pence said the federal government is working to make sure the state has the testing kits that it needed that it needs. One of the things that's going on here is that they're being criticized, and, and this would be true with any president. I mean, whether it's Obama or Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. You don't exactly get elected to the presidency of the United States, and you don't come into the Oval Office the first day and say, well, you know, maybe we should... There's this unknown virus that's going to occur someday, and maybe we should really focus on getting a lot of masks. And I mean, I mean, it would be nice if someone had that ability, but you don't do that. I mean, the overwhelming issues that are need to be addressed are so, I mean, big in scope. But I notice people are trying to pin down Pence. They did it. Some of the press did it here yesterday. But I see them doing it with with the president and particularly the two of them, but others. And they'll say, well, why weren't you prepared? Why didn't you see this coming? You don't see these kinds of things coming. You can't prepare for every virus. I mean, I'm not defending anybody. I'm just defending common sense. I mean, you can predict storms better than you can predict those kinds of things. But anyway, whatever works for these people, I mean, that's what they do. They reach out, they get this, they run with it, they, they craft it into a, into a message. And uninformed people, believe it, they're in a hurry. They haven't been paying attention to the facts. They're uninformed. Maybe they don't care, but often they do care. They're just uninformed. And the press misleads the people. But if you try to call the press or some of these voices that we've been talking about, powerful senators who wear tennis shoes, or used to, 
if you call these people to to account, someone I mean with more influence than I have, they'll just say, "Well, I didn't I didn't say anything about his religion. Oh, I'm I'm not a bigot. I'm I'm I I wasn't talking about his religion. Yes, they were, but they know how to do it, and that's how the public is so misled by the press so often, not all the time, but much of the time. So that's what we're dealing with here. The Seattle Times notes that the U.S. death toll from the coronavirus climbed to 12 yesterday afternoon, Thursday afternoon. With all the victims in Washington State, the other, the one from California, and as of this morning, the number of infections swelled to over 200, the Times says, across 18 states. And uh, as Governor Inslee stood by the vice president whom he had blasted in social media just a few days ago, Pence said, I'm here to do what we can for you and so on and so forth. That's the world, the world we live in. It's really sad. It's a group of pastors now. It's a growing group of pastors that are calling for a worldwide, global day of prayer. They had one the other day, and they're going to have another one. Um, the 700 Club, CBN is involved in it. Some other uh, pretty significant, influential pastors around the country, and I think now in some other countries have gotten involved in this because this isn't just a U.S. matter. And people that are not busy trying to bring down some administration that they disagree with um, see that this is a spiritual matter and that we do need to turn to God, as our founders did repeatedly in the days of founding this nation and others have since then. We need to turn to God because ultimately God is the source of all things. So these people have this... uh, kind of a prayer movement, and they're going to be calling another, I think it's a global um, day of prayer that will be coming up soon. I, I'm not sure they've given it a date. I'll mention it to you when that happens. But the verse that they are using as the kind of the banner for this global prayer movement, for specifically for this coronavirus, is Second Chronicles 7.14. We know that verse. We should know it if we don't. If my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. They put out a little note to people just a couple of days ago. I think it was day before yesterday. They said uh, they were recommending uh, how a prayer, how a person should pray, and intercede, intercessions, and petitions. They gave these notes to everyone. I'll pass them along. As you pray for your families and nations, center your intercession around the promise of Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Petition the Lord to shield us from fear that we might invoke the reality of 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And they say, as you intercede for our civil officials, health care professionals, and law enforcement and emergency personnel, pray that they may be led with wisdom 
work skillfully and be protected from the spread of the virus. And finally, it says, pray that your fellow Christians will serve boldly and will courageously share the word effectively as they encounter those with physical and spiritual needs during this time of crisis. That too, of course, would be rejected by the secularists. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that is where we stand today. We can live and we can die on that promise. Started with a pro-life rally outside the Supreme Court building. We're not, we're not experiencing just a political divide in the country. This is not unlike when Abraham Lincoln took office, the Dred Scott issue that I mentioned a few moments ago that happened today, the ruling uh, on that date. But those kinds of things had been festering for a long time in America. And when Abraham Lincoln took office, there was not just disagreement. It wasn't like, well, he holds this view and I hold that view. It was violent. We know that. Eventually, Abraham Lincoln would give his life for what he believed in. Shot in the head while he was watching a play in Ford Theater. We're not far from that point today, if not at that point. We're in a very, very um, difficult set of circumstances nationally. Our culture it, it is being torn like a veil like a fabric, and it's being torn not by physical hands, but by spiritual hands. It is a spiritual warfare that's going on. And I think anyone who has a spiritual inclination, biblically, can see that. And I think most of you that are listening do. But it started this particular incident at a pro-choice rally outside the Supreme Court building just a couple of days ago. The most powerful Democrat in the Senate, Minority Leader Senator Chuck Schumer, told the rally yelling. The video's there. I wrote an article on this today, and you can read the article and see the video. It's just a short piece. It's not the whole speech, but it's where he's saying what I'm about to quote. You can see that at faithandfreedom.us. You go to that website, it'll come right up. That's what you'll see. The first thing you'll see is what I'm talking about right now. He said, (laughs) with the microphone, yelling, almost out of control. He told the rally, he said, women's health care rights are at stake and Americans from every corner of the country are in anguish about what the court might do in there, do to them. Then it went downhill from there. The rally was sponsored by the Center for Reproductive Rights, as they call it. It's an abortion activist organization. He was one of the speakers, probably the main one, I would assume. The rally was being held outside while the hearing by the Supreme Court case of June Medical Services LLC versus Russo was being conducted inside the building. So here's this top senator on the steps of the of the of the Supreme Court building yelling through a microphone. Well, that's okay. I mean, God bless America. But this ruling in there has to do with abortion that they were considering. They'll rule on it later, but they were they, it was a hearing. And It has to do with abortion and limiting abortion, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But speaking to this crowd and yelling, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader now, because Mitch McConnell, the Republicans have control of the Senate, he would be 
the majority leader, if they were the majority, he said, quote, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, this is on the steps of the building where these people are hearing, these two and the other Supreme Court justices are hearing this case. He said, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, what would you think he meant if he said that to you about something you were about to do? Well, (laughs) nobody misunderstood what he was saying. Steve Guest, he's a journalist, he came out, he said, Democrat Senator Chuck Schumer threatens U.S. Supreme Court justices. And he quotes him. Others did the same. Later in the day, it was so inappropriate what he did that Chief Justice Roberts saw the video. He was in there at the time. He didn't actually see it happening. He was inside the building. Schumer was outside the building. Roberts saw the video of what Schumer had said, and he replied with his remarkable, unusual, and forceful response. Justice Roberts said, This morning, Senator Schumer spoke at a rally in front of the Supreme Court while a case was being argued inside. Senator Schumer referred to the two members of the court by name and said he wanted to tell them that you have released the whirlwind, you will pay the price, you will not know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. He said, Justices, Robert said, know that criticism comes with the territory, but threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are very dangerous. All members of the court will continue to do their job without fear or favor from whatever quarter. Immediately, Schumer's spokesperson came out and said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding him. He was just talking about they'll pay a political price. We'll vote out the Republicans later on, and on and on and on he went. A lot of other people, even people on the left, people that know and support Schumer, said, man, that was over the, over the line. That's too much. You need to apologize. I didn't see anybody agreeing with what he said. I mean, even on the left. Even a Harvard Law, left-wing Harvard Law professor, that Lawrence Tribe guy, he shows up in the news all the time. Even he, who's a close friend of Schumer, he said, Chuck, you went over the line. You said too much. But my point is there's a lot more to this story. And as I said, you can read it at faithandfreedom.us. But my point is this, that there is this horrible um, adversarial. It's not just disagreement that we're dealing with in our nation today, and there is no solution to this politically. I can tell you that. I believe that. The only solution for this problem is for us to go to our knees if my people will pray and confess God will heal the land. I believe that with all of my heart, and that's why we do what we do here, and I want to thank you for supporting us in what we do. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Your support allows us to keep talking, and people are telling me, Gary, you're helping us. Thank you for what you're doing. Hey, we'll see you right here on Monday.